Tucker Carlson is in Moscow. He's interviewing Vladimir Putin. That interview may drop today, may drop sometime this weekend or this week. Uh, Tucker Carlson is an example of the kind of courage and sacrifice we all have to be willing to make if we want to improve American culture and American society. I wanna play you a clip from Tucker Carlson uh, yesterday, I believe on Twitter, announcing that he's in Moscow, that he's interviewed Tucker Carlson, and he gave his explanation on why he's interviewing Vladimir Putin. Let's play the clip. Americans have a right to know all they can about a war they're implicated in. And we have the right to tell them about it because we are Americans too. Freedom of speech is our birthright. We were born with the right to say what we believe. That right cannot be taken away no matter who is in the White House. But they're trying anyway. Almost three years ago, the Biden administration illegally spied on our text messages and then leaked the contents to their servants in the news media. They did this in order to stop a Putin interview that we were planning. Last month, we're pretty certain they did exactly the same thing once again. But this time, we came to Moscow anyway. We are not here because we love Vladimir Putin. We are here because we love the United States, and we want it to remain prosperous and free. We paid for this trip ourselves. We took no money from any government or group, nor are we charging people to see the interview. It is not behind a paywall. Anyone can watch the entire thing, shot live to tape and unedited, on our website, tuckercarlson.com. Elon Musk, to his great credit, has promised not to suppress or block this interview once we post it on his platform, X, and we're grateful for that. Western governments, by contrast, will certainly do their best to censor this video on other less principled platforms because that's what they do. They are afraid of information they can't control. But you have no reason to be afraid of it. We are not encouraging you to agree with what Putin may say in this interview, but we are urging you to watch it. You should know as much as you can. And then, like a free citizen and not a slave, you can decide for yourself. So that's Tucker Carlson yesterday, being very courageous, being very bold, being a journalist, protecting American freedom. This is high risk stuff. And as I've told you about our theme for this year as members of the Fearless Army and what I'm trying to inspire in men, in believers, in all of us, growth requires sacrifice. Tucker Carlson has already been made a pariah in the mainstream media. He's already under attack in the mainstream media. They've tried to smear his character for the past five years. Now, going over to Moscow and interviewing Vladimir Putin, someone that corporate media and the mainstream has deemed off limits. You can't even talk to this guy. He's the next iteration of uh, Adolf Hitler. Tucker Carlson's taking real risk. He's, he's making a real sacrifice. His life, and I'm not exaggerating, in danger. The European Euro Union has said, or it's been reported, that the European Union is considering sanctioning Tucker Carlson and imposing a travel ban on Tucker Carlson for doing what American journalists, real journalists, are required to do interview important newsmakers, interview people that are important to global cu culture, to what's going on here in America. This is 
unbelievable because the European Union wouldn't be considering imposing this travel sanction on him, this travel ban on him, if they hadn't got the wink, wink, nod, nod from the American government. They would not do this without having cleared it with the current regime. When, when we talk this year about sacrifice, the importance of sacrifice, and pushing your chips into the middle of the table. Tucker Carlson's exemplifying that. That's what we're gonna talk about today, growth requiring sacrifice. We're gonna use Tucker Carlson as our jumping off point. What he's doing here is very bold. It's a sacrifice. He's putting himself and his family at risk so that we can ascertain real information about what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on with Russia. We need to hear the other side of this. This isn't about agreeing with or taking a side, but we need all information. No one should be off limits to interview, including Vladimir Putin, including E. Michael Jones. This mentality that, that's been imposed on us, that there are people beyond the pale and we can't talk to, and we shouldn't talk to, and we can't engage with them. It's very, very dangerous. And I'm glad Tucker Carlson is standing up to it. That's what we're gonna talk about on today's episode of Fearless. Awesome. Uh, before I return to my fire start, I want to talk to you guys about preborn. You guys know how I feel about preborn. You know how we feel about preborn here in the Fearless Army. Last year, because of you, preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a bad place. She didn't know how she could raise her child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic and God led her to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby's image, heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying and the nurse reminded her that babies are a blessing from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. That's the kind of amazing stories that preborn produces on a daily basis. Those of us that know that life begins at conception, those of us that know it is our duty to protect life in the womb, we must and we should be supporting organizations like preborn. You guys know how I feel about preborn. You guys know I've introduced you to Dan Steiner, the founder of preborn, right here on this show. I think he's been on twice. Dan Steiner is committed to this. Our money that we donate does not go to pay for mid-level executives. It does not go for trips and vacations for mid-level executives. It goes for paying for ultrasounds and it goes for paying for baby food and diapers and things that baby will need the first two years of its life outside the womb. We're going to protect it for nine months inside the womb and then we're going to support it for two years outside the womb, so that baby gets off to a proper start in life. Whether you give $28, which is the cost of an ultrasound, $280, which is the cost of 10 ultrasounds, $2,800, 
which would pay for 100, if my math is right, I went to Ball State, but yes, would pay for 100 ultrasounds. All of our money goes to a good cause. You can give monthly, you can give whenever. What, if it's $2.80, whatever it is, support preborn. There's two ways to support, there's two ways to give. Pound 250, say the keyword baby. Pound 250, say the keyword baby. Or give the way that I prefer to give. Go to fearless, uh, go to preborn.com slash fearless. Preborn.com slash fearless. When you do, send me an email, let me know. Warms my heart, inspires me, makes sure that we're doing a great show here. Preborn, I, I, I just want to tell you guys, and we're going to get into this in depth because we talk about Tucker Carlson and we talk about how growth requires sacrifice and we start pointing to people that are making sacrifices. And I'm not calling uh, Tucker Carlson perfect. He is not. He's just as flawed as me, you, and everybody else. But he's willing to make certain sacrifices to protect American freedom. And, and I just want to add, as it relates to Roll Call 2.0, Preborn has hopped on board as a sponsor. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, give you the full details on Roll Call 2.0. But I just want to start with uh, Tucker Carlson being an enemy of the deep state. And this has been going on for the past five to seven years. And certainly it all heated up during this uh, Russian-Ukraine conflict when the entire media went nuts and everybody treated uh, the Zelensky guy and Ukraine like it's the most important thing for America. We must send every dollar that we can print and steal from the American public to support Zelensky and, U and, U and the Ukraine because Vladimir Putin is the second coming of Adolf Hitler. And there were many of us, and Tucker Carlson being at the top of this was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slow down here. Something's happened. Let's give the American public all the facts before we just start sending money and then start considering sending troops and putting American soldiers in harm's way. And for saying, hey, let's pump the brakes because, hey man, we just have gone through 20 straight years of not asking any questions and just sending American men and American dollars off to foreign countries to fight this conflict and that conflict. We're war weary and we want better answers. And we did an entire show about being conspiracy, leery and weary. Because we have lived through, those of us that were adults and lived through 9-11 and what happened with the World Trade Center towers. It's like, were we given the whole truth on that? Did, did we punish the right people, the right country, or did we find a justification for another endless war that benefits the ultra elite and the ultra wealthy. Did we not just basically get rid of a president, Donald Trump, and whether you like him or not, who was bringing peace to the American people? Remember when uh, American leftists were all about peace? Does anybody remember that? Donald Trump delivered peace pulled us out of wars and pulled us out of these conflicts and we were headed towards peace. 
Who's dissatisfied? Who now is looking for another reason, another justification? And this put Tucker Carlson in the crosshairs of the deep state and the media puppets that they control. Tucker Carlson was uh, smeared as a puppet, as a spy for the Russian government. I want to point to you just one example of Rachel Maddow over at MSNBC with those deep state puppet strings attached to her, tied to her. As she, this is a, allegedly a liberal person. Allegedly someone who's supposed to be a reasoned and considered journalist. Smearing Tucker Carlson. Let's play the clip. One of these documents was changed to make Russian casualties in the war look way lower than they were and to make Ukrainian casualties look way higher than they were. In other words, this one document was doctored to make it look like Russia was doing way better in the war than they actually are and to make it look like Ukraine was losing really badly. Another way to put it is the way they put it when they discussed it on Fox News. The second thing we learned from these slides is that despite direct U.S. involvement, Ukraine is in fact losing the war. Seven Ukrainians are being killed for every Russian. Ukraine is losing the war. Ukraine is losing the war. Seven Ukrainians are being killed for every Russian. That's not actually what you can learn from the slides. That's what you can learn from the documents that were allegedly posted online by this Massachusetts Air National Guardsman who was arrested that week. But then, in order to get that seven Ukrainians killed for every one Russian killed, in order to get that, you can only learn that from the slides that were crudely doctored by the pro-Russia, pro-Putin social media network that circulated the classified information in the first place, but only reportedly after changing the documents to try to make it look like Russia's war is going way better than it is. So how did these documents get into circulation? This weird pro-Russia social media network affiliated with somebody who just got out of the U.S. Navy, that is the network that also circulated the fake documents that were altered crudely to make it look like Russia is definitely winning the war and Ukraine is definitely losing. And that's the document that Fox News highlighted on their, on their network last Thursday night. So Rachel Maddow, and, and I'm not, maybe I am smearing her, I, don't, don't let me clean. You judge whatever it is I'm doing, reach your own conclusions. But she's an elite soldier in the Alphabet Mafia. And the Alphabet Mafia is in, in cahoots, works for the deep state. People that have secrets, and even though her life isn't a secret, but they use the alphabet group, BLM, LGBTQAI, Play Plus, Silent P. They use the feminists, the, the, the beneficiaries, the benefactors of diversity, equity, and inclusion. They use them to put out their message. They don't want you questioning anything that the government that they now control, anything that they do should not be questioned. Throw journalism out the window. If you raise your hand and say, hey, are we moving too fast here? You're working for Russia. You're part of a Russian hoax. You're, part of, you're some sort of Russian spy. You're on the take from Russia. Tucker Carlson has been smeared in this way. What, 
again, I've already told you, the European Union thinking about imposing some kind of travel ban on him. This is very dangerous what he's doing. It's, he can't trust Russia. He's a journalist. He's an American journalist. He can get locked up in Russia very easily. And our government, <laughs> this is what's comical. If Tucker Carlson got locked up in Russia, Joe Biden, that entire regime would uh, shrug their shoulders. Hey, he, maybe he'll be cellmates with Paul Whelan. Uh, if someone from the alphabet mafia, Brittany Griner, gets locked up, oh, we'll trade the merchant of death. We'll trade any and everybody to get a six foot eight basketball player, lesbian, all tatted up, who wouldn't stand for our national anthem, who thinks this country's a disgrace and systemically racist. We'll do anything in our power to get her back. But Paul Whelan, a Marine, journalist, ah, shrug of the shoulders. Tucker Carlson's taking real risks. He's doing, he's making a real sacrifice for the betterment of this country. This is what men must be willing to do. We must be willing to take risks. We must be willing to take bullets. That is our role. Hats off to Tucker Carlson. This is serious what he's doing. It's inspiring what he's doing. And it, it fits right in to a discussion we're going to have on the show. We're going we're gonna to have Robbie Starbuck, uh, who's got a great new documentary he and his wife put out. He's going to come on the show. We're going to talk about his documentary, The War on Children. But Robbie's a great political pundit. We're going to talk about what Tucker Carlson's doing and why we need to support it. And then we're going to talk to uh, Anthony... Virgil and TJ Moe about Roll Call 2.0 because our theme this year and for the entire year, but for Roll Call 2.0 without question, it's about growth requiring sacrifice. It's about inspiring men to be willing to make the sacrifices necessary to protect this country. So awesome show. Uh, plan for you today. Uh, stay tuned. Robbie Starbuck just around the corner to talk some more about what Tucker Cross is doing. He'll be followed by a pretty in-depth conversation about Roll Call 2.0. We want to get you as much information and encourage you as best you can to get here. I believe May 31st and June 1st. May 31st is a Friday. June 1st is a Saturday. Get here for Roll Call 2.0. Uh, we can't wait to have you. Uh, before I go, I want to talk to you guys about prize picks. Have you been testing your skills on prize picks this football season? It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. With the basketball season here, you can now pick Combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. My mom, you know she loves prize picks, sent me her Super Bowl picks on prize picks. She's selecting for this Sunday's big game, Debo Samuel, more than 57 and a half receiving yards, 
Travis Kelsey, more than 69 and a half receiving yards, and Isaiah Pacheco, more than 65 and a half rushing yards. Go to prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the code fearless for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash fearless. Use the code fearless. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, when we come back, Robbie Starbuck will be here and we'll talk some more about uh, Tucker Carlson next. If, if your company starts a DEI department, all, let's say there's really not much discrimination going on in your company. I'm here to tell you right now, we don't care. Let me tell you. Right, let me t- <laughs> the DEI person's not going to come into your office and say, well, you know, things are actually going really well here. No, what they're <laughs> going to do is justify their position and go start hunting up. With great power comes great responsibility. Well, you know what? There was some discrimination. Uh, a white guy on the job uh, mispronounced LaShaquanda's name, and she thinks it's racist. I don't give a f- Keisha. And so I had to go have a meeting and walk him through how you pronounce LaShaquanda. And, and boy, blah, blah. And that's what they do. Welcome back, as promised. Robbie Starbuck, friend of the show. You guys have seen Robbie on the show uh, before, but this is the first time we've had the honor of Robbie coming in studio. You guys remember Robbie's a former Hollywood executive and like me, someone that fled California for the sanity of Nashville, Tennessee. Robbie, uh, thank you so much. I hope people are following you on Twitter. Robbie is uh, the Hollywood version. I don't think Matt Walsh will be offended if I say this, but the better looking version of Matt Walsh, uh, an interesting commentator and, and just someone who's in the fight with us. He, later this week, uh, Robbie will be here and we'll have a conversation about uh, his documentary, The War on Children. Uh, but today, I wanna talk with Robbie about uh, Tucker Carlson going over to Moscow to interview Vladimir Putin. And as you guys have just heard me talk in the Firestarter, I, I think this is, a tremendous uh, action of courage, and it's the kind of sacrifice. We, we have to be willing to risk our reputations in the world to stand up for truth, and that's what I think we're seeing here from Tucker Carlson. Absolutely. Our country wouldn't be what it is had our founders not done the same thing. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize the founders of our country, many of them died. Many of them died for the cause of what they believed in. Their family members died, their children, their wives. I mean, they sacrificed. They lived penniless, many of them, and they did what they knew was right. And, you know, if you look at what we're sacrificing in contrast, it's nothing compared to them. You know, and Tucker, Tucker, I think, knows very well. You and I have both been on his show quite, quite a lot and, and know that he's the type of guy, he knows what he's getting into here. He knows that countries are going to try to sanction him. He knows there's going to be this whole host of, of issues that are going to be wrought upon him as a byproduct of him doing this. But the question really should be to people is, is what he's doing right and just? And it is. If you look back at, at you know, history in our country, good journalism looks a whole lot like going and asking questions. <laughs> and I think what people should really be thinking about here is if you see the mainstream media and you see people making this assertion that asking questions somehow should be criminalized, shouldn't be allowed back in your own country, you should be sanctioned for it. 
That's what should scare you. That's what should scare you, because that's what happened to people in Cuba before communism stole everything from families like my family, is questions we're not allowed anymore. So what he's doing, whether you hate Putin, whether you love Putin, it doesn't matter. The very act of a journalist going and doing journalism should be a good thing. What we should be wondering about is why so many so-called journalists have a problem with journalism. <laughs> I think, Robbie, it's because so many journalists and just men have allowed themselves to be compromised by their sin. And, and that's why, you know, the first year or two of this show, uh, the, the whole message behind this show was like, hey, man, don't let your sin silence you. We're all flawed. Repent from your sins. Take those sins off the table from your critics. And this is what I have in common with Tucker. Tucker tells you he lived a very colorful life. He used drugs. He used to party. He, he, he acknowledges all of that. But he also acknowledged like, man, I've had the scales removed from my eyes. I'm starting to understand the role faith plays. And, and so when you make these types of courageous steps that Tucker's made, that you've made, uh, and anybody that, you, any, and that you've made, you gotta clean up your life to take, <laughs> and this is part of the sacrifice, clean up your life because you better have paid your taxes because they're gonna look through your tax records. They're gonna go after you. Yes, you better be, uh, loyal to your wife because they're going to snoop around your emails and tr go through your DMs and all that and try to silence you that way. That's part of the sacrifice we as men have to make. And, and you got to go into it with eyes wide open, as you said, Tucker has. Yep. And you have to be willing also to, to own up to your mistakes. Yes. Because like, you know, in my case, even come from that Hollywood background, you know, I've directed some of these big rappers and stars where I can look back at the early part of my career and be like, oh my gosh, I wish that I had been close to Jesus the way that I am now and that I had been able to affect change earlier in my career rather than, than, than when I did. And still, you could argue early on in my career, I mean, I'm still in my 30s, you know, despite us having a 15-year-old. My wife and I got started early. But, um, you know, you have to be willing to own up to those things and be able to say, you know, we all make mistakes. We're flawed people. We're all sinners. It's what you do with it when you know God and you know the right thing. Are you going to do the hard things? Are you going to be willing to own up to it? Or are you so fearful that you're going to let that fear silence you for life? You know, and it's like that ties into the, the whole title of your show, Fearless. That needs to be the mindset that men have going forward is be fearless. And if you have that fear in your life right now, I want you to take a hard look in the mirror because you've got a guy with hair long enough to go up in a man bun telling you to be fearless. <laughs> that should feel a little emasculating, okay? And you should probably think about it. Think about where fear is and where it's operating in your life and choose to be fearless. Do the hard things, you know? Um, if I look at my life right now, I could very easily be in Hollywood driving a Lamborghini in a beautiful house in the, in the hills. You make choices about what true joy is. None of that's joy. It, that's all fleeting stuff that the world wants to sell you on as joy. Fearlessness, doing the right thing, being a man of honor, being there for your wife and children, raising your kids. Those are the things when you're on your deathbed you're gonna go, did I do enough of those things? You're not gonna say, did I have a fast enough car that cost enough money that impressed people when I drove by? None of that's gonna matter. It's, it's what you did, it's your actions that are gonna matter. And it's why 
I applaud Tucker. I mean, no matter what this interview is, he's doing something brave that requires fearlessness. And I know we're talking about Tucker, but you said so many things that uh, just trigger things in my own mind. Here, how long have you? How long ago did you move here to Tennessee? Almost, I could be six years now. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, so we I beat you. We yeah, beat you. I, I came in 2020, and what amazed me, I lived in LA from 2010 to 2020, and so the first five, six years that I was in LA, I told everyone, I will never leave here. I will never leave. This is so great. The weather's so great, and blah blah blah. But the deeper I got into my relationship with God, he started changing what I saw as beautiful. And it, that's when I just started looking around and going, man, I live on the Wilshire Corridor, but there's a homeless encampment right here in Brentwood as I drive down Wilshire. And, 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 and then I, I just started looking at, even when I drove down Sunset Strip, and I used to drive down Sunset Strip even before I moved out there, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And it reminded me of the TV show Entourage. And I've been back since I left. I've been to L.A., I believe, one time since I've been back. And the whole place it looks like dystopian. hell. Yeah it, yeah, it looks like hell on earth. It's, yes. it's, it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. The first time I saw it as a young man, it felt like this larger than life thing. And this is sort of the trick the devil pulls. You know, you have this illusion of what you should want in life. My wife and I just had this conversation actually the other day. I came in the house from cleaning out the stalls of some cows of ours. And I was like, do you ever imagine we got married 16 years ago that this is what joy would look like? That like going out there early in the morning, cleaning out the stalls, feeding the cows, taking care of the chickens, you know, doing all this, that this would be what true joy was, was just that, that time as a family, the connection of doing all these things together because we had no idea when we were young and in love and all those things. My wife, I will say, was ahead of us all in one respect. She never wanted to live in California. She's from Texas, she hated California, she thought all the libs there were crazy. So she was always ready to go, but you know, uh, for me it felt like one of those, you know the pool of the career, where it's like, you have to be there. If you're not there, you, you, can't, you can't do what you need to do. And that again is another lie. You know, and those, those lies come from Satan. I don't think there's another place that you could really root it to. It comes from there. They want you, the devil wants you living in a deception that you can't do the righteous will of God. And so if we're gonna put on the armor of God, we're gonna do the hard things, we're gonna fight, we're gonna be true warriors for what we believe in, you've got to examine those things in your life. Where are the illusions in your life? Is it that you've been tricked into thinking you need this this bigger house or that you need this new toy or gadget instead of setting your sights on a passion project you've always been called and felt you needed to do. You know, it's, it's asking those questions. Everybody's got a different answer, but it's time for men especially to examine those questions. So I'm gonna piggyback again off something you just said, but I can remember I lived at the Apex building in the LA Live area, and I lived next door to uh, Alec Baldwin's daughter. I think her name was Haley. And, and expensive rappers lived in my building, a few, I think CeeLo Green. And, but you go downstairs, and there would be a homeless person pissing on your building. And, and, and now, because one, I just bought a house out in some neighborhood that I thought I would never want to live in, it, you know. 
and, and when I go off into the yesterday, we drove down, uh, I think, Centerville or I, I can't. We drove out in the woods to some T-Rex arms where they're located at. And I looked around at all these farms and all this land and a lake. And that looks so beautiful to me. Whereas living on the Wilshire Corridor and living in downtown L.A. used to look beautiful to me. And now it looks like trash. Like this is just what you said. It's hell. So, you know, what I guess I'm saying is to men, if you allow God to change your mindset, renew your mind, he will change your taste. Yep. And, and, you know, it's 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 a process. It's hard. And for me as a single man and again, I lived out in the world. It's like he's changing my taste or I'm trying. I'm helping him. I'm really in a struggle. Like the women. I yeah. used to tell everybody. Unfortunately, I used to say them. Oh, man, every woman in L.A. has got fake breasts and it's great. And now like, no, nah, that's fake breasts. And that's not what God intended. And it's not great. It's I, I think, you know, there's in terms of the way you frame this, you look at what your desire is. Is our desire purely flesh? Because for me, I feel like the luckiest man on earth that God put me together with a godly woman and did it so early in my life that, you know, we we have grown together in the same ways. We've grown closer to God. She's been the person who's the constant sort of moral best way to put it is is she 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 pushes me further along that path that i'm already headed down she encourages it and if you're choosing purely for flesh you're not looking down the long road of your life because one day me and my wife are both going to be old and wrinkly okay i might still have a baby face but i'm still going to be wrinkly and old you know and we're not going to be as as attractive as we are now you know and so You've got to have that mindset of like, are you married to their soul or are you married to their flesh? Because God wants to marry you to their soul, you know? And if you're purely operating off carnal desire, then you're not ready to get married, you know? And in terms of, you know, body and things like that, I mean, I think that there's fair things like you want to be with somebody who's healthy, you know? I think that's a fair thing. I, I want to be, you know, I want somebody who cares enough about the temple God gave them that, that they're eating good, you know, and, and things like that. But, you know, I think we need to stray away from that old operative mindset of just purely flesh and that's it because we're going to get old. Final thought, Robbie, just because you mentioned early on about your kids and having kids early. And, and so many young people now are trying to delay marriage and delay kids. And what they're really delaying is uh, growing up. And <laughs> they're really delaying just being a better human being because nothing will make you a better human being than having to look in your son or daughter's eyes and be responsible for them. And so that's why that also accelerates your evolution in a positive direction. Yeah, the hedonism and lack of faith has produced something that I've called like Peter Pan syndrome. You know, they never wanna grow up. And the truth is, um, you know, to draw Tucker back into this conversation, I couldn't agree more with Tucker and Elon Musk, have babies, get married, have babies, it is the single greatest decision I ever made in my life. The things that an outside observer would go, oh, well, you made it to this mountaintop or that mountaintop. The only mountaintop I care about that I've made it to in life is being married 16 years and being the father of three kids. 
It has been the best, most brilliant decision I ever made. Um, if anything, I, I, I would lose everything else in an instant. You know, I, I could lose it all as long as I have that. That is the greatest thing. And so if I could encourage anybody who's on the fence about it, you will have no greater joy in your life than being a dad and being a good husband. Robbie, thank you so much for coming by. Uh, Robbie will be back with us uh, later this week to talk about his movie, his documentary, The War on Children, uh, Tennessee Harmony, TJ, Virgil, and Anthony, next. Charlie Kirk, previously on Fearless. If you go down to the details of the Civil Rights Act, what could have been achieved through prudent legislative action was actually ended up done is that there was about 1% or 2% of it, and it built this massive anti-racist federal bureaucracy that wasn't immediately felt, actually. But 10 years, 20 years later, all of a sudden we get these bureaucrats going after admission standards. And they say, well, you have to have affirmative action because they introduced disparate outcome, saying that, well, your outcomes aren't the same, therefore you're a racist institution. Well, like, no, 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 we're not a racist institution. It just so happens that there's other factors. And of course, Thomas Sowell's amazing book, Discriminations and Disparity, or Disparity and Discrimination, is, is perfect on this. Hello, Fearless Army. I'm Jason Whitlock, your leader. I'm going to spend 2024 discussing growth and sacrifice. Hard times are here. Harder times are coming. What has stopped American growth and caused a regression in fundamental freedoms and values? A lack of sacrifice. Our ancestors sacrificed for our benefit. We have not sacrificed to protect the progress they died for. No sacrifice, no freedom. What impedes man's willingness to sacrifice? His ignorance, his perversion, his pride, his ingratitude, and his cowardice, his rejection of God. The Bible is a story about the power and the necessity of sacrifice. Sacrifice is the sun, rain, and fertilizer of growth. Growth is our life purpose. Grow in the knowledge, wisdom, fear, obedience, and reverence to the Most High. Growth requires sacrifice will be our theme for Roll Call 2.0 this summer, June 1, right back here in Nashville. We're excited to welcome you. Let me spend a minute explaining what G-R-O-W-T-H actually stands for for us in the Fearless Army. The G is for game plan. In order to properly grow, it's essential we work from the strategic game plan spelled out in the Bible. The R, responsibility. As we grow as men, we understand and accept our responsibilities to God, family, and teammates. The O, ownership. We embrace ownership of our destiny. Outsiders do not determine our fate. The W, wisdom. We honor, value, and share the wisdom imparted to us by elders, coaches, and leaders. The T, trust. We must be worthy of trust. The reliability of a man's word defines him far more than popularity and material possession. The H, humility. The reward for humility. 
and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. That's straight from Proverbs 22 and four. Come join us in Nashville as we talk about growth and sacrifice and how without sacrifice, there will be no growth. Roll Call 2.0 right here in Nashville, Saturday, June 1st. Time for some Tennessee Harmony, where we're going to talk about Roll Call 2.0, why we're excited, try to define for you all that didn't make it last year, what the game plan is for 2024. Uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I love this theme uh, that we came up with. I think it's important. I think it speaks to the time uh, that we're in. I'm going to spend... Uh, the, the probably the month leading up to this uh, reading from Romans and reading the book of Romans, because I, I just that's where my head is kind of at in terms of, of sacrifice and the necessariness of, of sacrifice. And, and I believe it's Romans 12 and one uh, that, that has inspired me and, and has me. Uh, overjoyed about what I think we're going to deliver. We, we've, we're going to add some different speakers. We've reached out to some athletes and all that, but I want to talk about it with Virgil, TJ, Anthony, uh, and Anthony, before we go any further with this discussion, if you could bless our conversation with a prayer and then we'll get into it. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to share your word even on this platform. Bless those that are listening. Bless uh, this great event of roll call and the uh, men that will attend, that will learn and even inspire others. We're thankful in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, so I, I, I'm not going to today reveal uh, all the names that I think will be a part of this because one and I want to be careful with with these guys because, look, there's a lot of heat that comes along with uh, being associated with me, but more so being associated with Jesus Christ. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to expose anybody that's considering coming or is coming to some sort of blowback from their employers or over social media or whatever. Uh, but we're going to have what, what I feel comfortable calling it a star-studded event on Friday and on Saturday, but, but we're also gonna have Virgil, Anthony, TJ, myself, the, the, the same group that delivered for you last year, we're gonna deliver again and we're just gonna spice it up. I know King Randall will be here, we talked about him publicly. E.W. Jackson, no one's gonna scare him off. Mm. He, he's gonna be here, but today I just wanted to spend some time uh, talking about growth and sacrifice and where men need to be in this time, and I've asked these guys uh, to, hey, let's, I'm gonna inspire, I want you guys to come in with some scripture and get the foundation of substance to what we're doing. Uh, it needs to be coming from the Bible and the Word, and so Anthony and Virgil are gonna help us with that, and TJ's gonna help us with that, and so, Anthony, I'm gonna let you uh, fire first just about, and again, it doesn't even have to be script, just your thoughts about Roll Call 2.0 and what we're trying to accomplish. I'm always um, excited and I'm inspired to get around men 
uh, to encourage men, uh, but not just in that space, also in the space of men who are dedicated to being godly like that. That always gets me going. Uh, We've talked several times about our men's retreat, how we like to do this. This roll call last year, all these men from all over the country uh, coming together and being inspired, uplifted by the word, being inspired and uplifted by one another, seeing other men that are going through the same struggles um, all on the same accord. It, It really excites me. I think it is necessary Uh, We live in a world that is geared towards uh, emasculation of men, uh, a world that's geared towards the effeminate. Uh, Yes, you know, uh, Matt Walsh, he asked the poignant question, what's a woman? But the most important question where we're looking at now is what's a man? You know, what is a man? Uh, The very first question of, of all of humanity that was asked was, Adam, where are you? So so not just what is a man, but where are the men? So this is an event uh, that brings these men together. I'm excited about it. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to dealing with the word and inspiring some other guys. EJ, and then we're going to get to Virgil. Yeah, I'm thrilled we're doing it again. I think last year what we got was 800 or so men who are... um, wandering through the desert with nobody to agree with them and no one to tell them that they are sane and that they're the people that are going to help bring this country back and and they found it. I mean, we we've talking to people, there were people that came from Hawaii last year to come to Nashville and all of, I wonder, I wouldn't be surprised if 20, 30 states were represented because I got to see all the tickets. And so um, this year, I mean, I, I talked to my pastor about it and he, he thinks Grace Church in St. Louis is gonna bring a busload of 75 to 100 men because they need it. They're dying for it in St. Louis. We're the only church who's trying to fight back in the St. Louis area as far as I'm concerned. I've been to a lot of those churches. So I, I just think men everywhere need it. Um, you know, w- we didn't have the star-studded group last year and people adored it. So adding a few more names this year will be even better. We had T.J. Moe. <laughs> no, like I said, star-studded event, wasn't there. Uh, Virgil is our uh, organizational uh, foundation for Roll Call, and uh, Virgil will probably speak at this year's Roll Call as well. I'm, I'm throwing that extra burden on him. If I can, if we ever settle this long contract negotiation about his speaking fee, uh, <laughs> Virgil has asked for twenty to thirty thousand dollars to speak, uh. and we're, we're going back and forth about that. But hopefully, we'll get Virgil to speak. But hey, Virgil, hop in here. Well, for, first of all, you know you get, you got me uh, coming and going. I will I will definitely be there, be in the house, honored to be a part of of this. Uh, Jason, this is, you've started a movement, and uh, the, the Fearless Army. Uh, is something that you've coined and, and folks have been following through this medium uh, for, for a bit. Last year was the first part of that process. Uh, just call, just kind of kind of a call to arms, if you will. Who's who's available? Who's going to make themselves available to join this fearless movement? And uh, it was obvious that there were a lot of people not only excited to be a part of it, but who were ready for what the next steps were. And uh, my encouragement is, as the guy behind the scenes kind of doing some some organizational pieces, it was we should have let them know that, you know, immediately following. But uh, the fact that we're ready and, and equipped and, and I, I appreciate and respect the fact that that you didn't want to just jump into something, that you had to take some time, think through and put something together that would be really powerful for the men who are going to be joining us for this next phase. So I'm extremely excited about what we're about to embark upon. Virgil, I'm going to stick with you, and then I'm going to have uh, Anthony and TJ follow in. So 
here's where my inspiration is coming from. Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, when is your, when, which is your reasonable service. And so uh, when, when TJ asked me this morning, he's like, hey, uh, why do all men need to be there? Because that's a question that, that's on the website. Here's my interpretation of that from Romans 12 and 1 that we put on the website. If we truly seek salvation and desire the world to, refl to reflect his way, men must present themselves as living sacrifices to our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. And so living sacrifice is the key word here. And so, Virgil, interpret for me what you think a living sacrifice is. What is God, what is Paul instructing us here? Yeah, no, I think Paul is definitely instructing us that, that there's a part of a process of living out our lives, recognizing that we're dead to sin, that we're dead to unrighteous works, right? The whole of Romans is, is about justification, about, about how we are justified now before God. We could do no works that allowed us to become righteous, that we are actually, uh, we are actually uh, receiving an inherited and imputed righteousness, that is the righteousness of Christ is now given to us. As a result, we who were once dead in our sins and trespasses now indeed live. Uh, and as a result of that living, we are to walk out a life that is reflective of the sacrifice that was given to us or, or, or for us uh, on our behalf by Jesus Christ. We need to live a life that continually conforms to the image of Christ. And so we are indeed living sacrifices. Uh, we are indeed those who, who, who uh, don't live according to the flesh, uh, but we live in an in active obedience uh, in accordance with the spirit of the living God. And so uh, the fact that you're calling men to, to come and gather and think through those ideas and bring men before them that will that will you know, impress upon them the importance of, of this very command of scripture is, is going to be is going to be powerful. Sacrifices in the Old Testament, uh, when they were instituted by God, they were uh, a burnt offering towards God. It is uh, there was an animal that was killed, but it was burned in an offering to God. Most of the time it dealt with uh, our sin debt towards God, but it was an offering to God. Now, you hear this phrase that Paul uses a living sacrifice. Now, you would think. Yeah. The sacrifice was killed and dead before it's offered. But Paul says you are a living sacrifice. Well, how do you live and be sacrificial? It does involve a death, as Virgil points out. So I am dying to self. I'm dying to my agenda, my way, my desires. And I'm living for God, but I'm offering myself as, hey, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you want, I'm all yours. And so that's where Paul gets that phrase, uh, living sacrifice. I'm dying to me, but I'm living to you. I also want to, you know, just pick up on verse number two, where he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and that a perfect will of God. So we are changed or transformed not externally, but internally. He says, you're transformed by the renewing of our minds. We, our minds have to be renewed. 
So we have lived in a world system that has given us rules and regulations for how the world operates. That has to be renewed. We need new information. We are transformed by being informed by God's word. And if we're not, mm. we are conformed to the world. We are just going the very way of the world. Paul uses that word transform. Uh, and that's a word from the Greek word that we get metamorphosis. The, the experience that we see caterpillars go to butterflies. The interesting part about that word is it implies that we don't go back. Right. Once a caterpillar is metamorphed to a butterfly, they don't go back to being a caterpillar anymore. So when we are transformed to being men of God, we don't go back to the old life that we used to live, the sinful life that has died. And therefore, we live for Christ. TJ, before you hop in, I, I want to piggyback Anthony's comments onto a conversation we were having yesterday. Uh, we went to visit the guys at T-Rex arms and uh, there was a Josh who worked for them, a former law enforcement guy. And so we got into some unique conversations. We were there all day. And, and one of the things I was saying to Josh was about, you know, how can we better support law enforcement? And, 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 and I didn't use these exact words, but I, I was saying that, you know, law enforcement basically needs opportunities uh, to renew their minds because they get so bogged down in law enforcement and dealing with difficult situations that somehow we need to figure out, we really wanna help law enforcement, is we gotta pull them out of that fire that they're living in for six, eight months, dealing with the worst people or the, you know difficult situations and, and let them renew their minds and then send them back to work and, and that's kind of what we're trying to do on an annual basis with roll call is, is, you know, we get caught up in corporate America, we get caught up in, uh, you know, making sure we got enough money for our kids to go to college, making sure wives are happy, mama's taken care of, and, and we're doing, and, and we need this callback amongst men to say, hey, no, you do know what our real purpose is here, guys. Mm -hmm. It's, all these other things are nice, but our real purpose is this, and is what we're doing in alignment? Are we being a living sacrifice for God? And, and so that requires us maybe to make some sacrifices mm -hmm. and, and just say, Mama, I know you love this 4,000 square foot house, but we really need to buy this 3,400 square foot house so that we can continue to, because TJ, we were talking a lot about uh, people that are homeschooling their kids and all this. Mm -hmm. There's sacrifices you have to be willing to make for your kids. Yes. This is about when I just practical things, I think we'll get an opportunity to talk about and explain to people like, how can you be a living sacrifice? Are you doing this, this and this? Mm -hmm. If you if, if Jason Whitlock could grow up in a 400 square foot house or apartment with his dad, sleep on a couch and be happy because I was happy. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the greatest situation, but I was happy. Are we sure that your kids all have to have their own separate bedrooms and right. own iPhones and own, anyway, oh TJ, hop in here on living sacrifice. I think you're exactly right. I, this is, uh, I heard someone else say this once, so don't know who to give the credit to, but it's not me. Uh, they said, this is going to be really hard until you stop trying to live for God and allow him to live through you. And so you spend all of your time trying to, this is for you, God. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to try really hard instead of just doing what Romans 12, 2 says, 
renew your mind. You know, we're baptized by the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 6, 19 says he, the, the Holy Spirit resides inside of us. Well, if you have the, the living God living inside of you, that's how you allow him to live through you. And then the practical stuff becomes, so you, you know, we, one of the things we were talking about yesterday is discernment. And it's like, well, men don't have discernment today. Most men, it's like, well, what sounds good? What's the better financial decision? It's not to homeschool your kids. It's to have your wife out working as many hours as she can so, you know, she can be senior VP of lending somewhere someday. Well, yeah, she doesn't really have any relationship with her kids, but hey, you guys got that 4,000 square foot house. Um, and so practically speaking, that's the right place. But, you know, we, we have moved. This, this is something I notice in my life in real estate all the time. We buy houses from uh, people who inherited houses from their parents often. And then they tell me the story about, hey, we grew up here. And it's, it's a two-bedroom house. There was a lot of, you know, post-World War II initiatives that we had where we built homes uh, for soldiers and stuff. And so these houses were all built, and, and there'd be people in there that they say, yeah, it's a two-bedroom house. Man, I have five brothers and sisters. This is, I got so many memories here. And can you imagine having seven people live in a two-bedroom house, 750 square foot? We buy those houses all the time. And so it's, that, that was normal then, and now we're saying it's actually not fair for these illegal immigrants to come here unless we give them $53 million. That's the only fair way that this can exist. And so we're, we're so far off on this because we lived in, into this worldly time where everything is about materialism. And so I, I think we would get to the place that you're talking about, many of the conversations we had with Josh and Lucas yesterday where you do homeschool, your wife does stay home, you spend a lot more time at home with your kids instead of working late nights. I heard a saying recently, we said, you know, in 20 years, the only people that are gonna remember that you stayed late at work are your kids. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that one hits home for me, I love to work, but it's those type of things where like, if we're in the Romans 12-2 mindset, I think a lot of that stuff takes care of itself. Good, I was gonna say, a lot of things that we, are trying to do if we're in the world system is to give our kids what we didn't have versus teaching them what we didn't know. Mm, um, that's good. You know what I mean? Yeah, pass on that wisdom. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, when you that's talk about the, the 400 square foot home or 700 square foot home, with two bed, that was where I lived. Like it was seven mm. of us uh, and I'm living with my grandmother. And I mean, you know, to know that small home, Jason, I showed him a picture of it, to know that small home and how we made it. We didn't even know that we were poor. There wasn't a concept of, I thought people that were poor were people that didn't have anything to eat or didn't have anything to wear. Everything I wore was hand-me-downs. I always had a full belly. So I, I'm not poor. I've got a whole dresser full of clothes I could pick through. Now, they're not the latest fashions, but it didn't matter. I had everything I needed. And what was very central to us, we had a strong foundation in faith. That was it. So with that, and we're country living, I could run outside and scream and holler like that was it. The pressure, though, Jason, I, I just had a lunch with a guy uh, yesterday, young guy who, who can see where the world is going now. The pressure is to provide that kind of lifestyle because it's what everybody's supposed to have. We're all supposed to have the latest devices, the computers, the latest technology. And the sacrifice comes, as I told him, we don't have all of that stuff. I mean, I don't have all of that stuff, but my kids know God. And that's where I, I can lay in the bed at night knowing that, hey, I'm good 
because my kids know you. If my kids didn't know you and they know the babysitter better or they know their teachers at school better or whatever case like that, man, you're gonna find out that's gonna be a lot of stuff to fight against when they're teenagers, when they're young adults. I want them to fall back on what they learned from God at home. Yeah, I, I think that I was sitting here thinking about uh, being happy as a kid with that electronic board football game where the vibrated and it's like that entertained the heck out of me. And it's it's other than now this year, uh, my best friend gave me this bracelet and it, it's wow. it's finally replaced. Um, I don't know if you guys can sell it on camera, but it's finally replaced. I got an electronic football game, which I've always considered my greatest Christmas gift. I, I, I can remember it. Pro my mother put it on the tree maybe 15 days before Christmas, and I would every night go just look at it in the <laughs> gift box and hold it and think about, man, when I open this up, Christmas. Oh man! Blah, blah. It was my f up until I got this brace, and I love this wow. brace, and I didn't told. Uh, but it, it, if I could be happy with that, you can't tell me that, and, and it was me and my brother were so close, me and my stepsister and stepbrother were so close. All of my memories are built around interaction with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, uh, other than this electronic football board, I really don't, and we had some kind of Odyssey video, but I, my memories aren't attached to that. Uh, and so, Providing an environment for your children where they can enjoy each other, their brothers enjoy you, play Uno or Monopoly, yes, and, yes, and laughs. That's what really sticks with you. But but you know, and so hopefully we're. I, I want you guys to, and I don't know if did y'all have some order. I saw text going back and forth. Who was mm -hmm. going to get into scripture first? Who I don't want you guys stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. Uh, we made room. We can go. We can go in any order. Yeah, we made room. Matter. All right. Uh, let, let's. Virgil will talk the longest, and uh, so we'll go to Virgil first. Uh, <laughs> That's Virgil, why the contract negotiations. Yeah. So Virgil strict. gets paid by the word. That's why he gets very frustrated when I don't let him get a word in. Uh, go ahead, Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough act to follow. I was simply, I was simply going to add to that. You guys were talking about the the aspect of sacrifice from a standpoint of, of kind of material possessions, and that's definitely uh, important. I think the other facet of that is is the willingness to sacrifice on the basis of conviction. Um, we we know what people confess, right? What people say that they believe. I believe this. I believe that. Uh, confession is one aspect, but the other aspect of of, of true understanding, true belief, and therefore those who are willing to sacrifice, is is what what are, what are you willing to be uh, to, to 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 give up? What are you willing to be? You find that that a that a that a confession turns into conviction when you examine what people are willing to give up. And when we look at scripture, we see it uh, over and over and over again. I start you start with the apostles themselves. You know, uh, all all of the apostles, all but one. Uh, died of some, you know, of, of some unnatural cause, whether they were stoned to death or or speared uh, or crucified upside down. You know, it was John, uh, John on the island of Patmos, who was actually the only one uh, that died of an old age. But he was again exiled to the island of Patmos. Um, I think about the 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 current uh, the uh, Apostle Paul uh, and his uh, conversations or, or writings to Timothy. Uh, how he encouraged Timothy as it relates to the importance uh, of sacrifice. In fact, he says this, he writes this in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. 
He says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Uh, he, he goes on to talk about how there'll be evil people, imposters, they'll go from bad to worse, deceiving and, and being deceived. But at the end of the this is first century time frame. This is the this is the you know, this is the the, the turn of the page of 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 Christianity. And and we see early on that that if we desire to live a, a godly life, we'll indeed be persecuted. Uh, Paul Paul would mention uh, again that in the last days that there will be people who will be lovers of money, lovers of self, uh, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. He, he writes a whole litany of things that if you if you li- if you read Second Timothy chapter three verses one through four, they they read like the color commentary from you know from from, from something that happened this this last week. Uh, it, it reads like a current day uh, listing of all of the crazy chaos that we encounter on a regular basis. But here Paul is in the first century warning Timothy that he would endure that. But he told Timothy to be of sober mind. Uh, he said to be ready to suffer uh, and, and be persecuted. And then Paul pens the, 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 his famous words to Timothy. You know, he, he says, I've, I've come to the end. I've, I've endured the race. I've finished the, the, you know, the end of my race. Uh, and there lays up for me uh, a crown of glory. But that crown of glory that's, that lay, that's laid up for Paul is not just for him. It's for all of us who are willing to suffer uh, and struggle here on earth, living out what it is God's called us to live out. And it goes back, Jason, to everything that you stated in, in Romans uh, chapter 12, verses one and two. So all of that is, it's, it's kind of full circle. We live life here on earth. Uh, we do it in a way that honors God. And as a result, we'll be persecuted. Uh, we'll witness that persecution, but we're encouraged to stand strong. Uh, and so that during that, during the process, we're conformed into the image of Christ. That's exactly what we're supposed to be about and be doing. And I'm excited because, you know, as we as we lean into Roll Call 2.0, we'll have an opportunity, like you said, to to pull men out, uh, to cause to, to remind them of these truths, encourage them on their way and send them back into the fight. Who wants to follow Virgil? I'll take it. Yeah. Um, Paul uh, is a great example of what that kind of sacrifice looks like practically, like he literally lived it out. Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was an expert in the law. He had he had the track record and all of the uh, accolades to pursue a life of being just just a scholar. And when he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus or Jesus encounters him and and this whole thing that changed his life. Paul says, I count all of that as dung. It's Mm -hmm. rubbish. All of the accolades, all of that are worthless. They're nothing to what I get to do in Christ. That sacrifice, you know, people Mm -hmm. would look at Paul and say, man, you could have been, you could have been but Paul says what I am in Christ is so much further than that. So I just wanted to, to echo that from what Virgil said. Um, the apostles themselves uh, in Mark chapter um, 10, they reference Jesus or Jesus. They talk about how living as a disciple for Jesus is. Peter says, we've left all to follow you like they we, we gave up all of that. And what I see in that that we have to do as men What it may be, Jason, is you may leave the pursuit of the corporate ladder. 
Not to say that you may not have a job or whatnot, but me just trying to take over the corporate ladder. No, that's not it. I, I, I'm a disciple maker that happens to work at that place. Um, yes. One of my good friends, one of my brothers at church, uh, he started a business at 15 detailing cars. He went on to try college. He went on to work uh, in the professional world. And he came to me, you know, a few years back and he's like, man, you know, this has taken so much of the time away from my family and so much time away from the church. He said, I, I still do my detailing on the side, but I I really want to go for. And I'm like, hey, pray about it. Trust God for it. He made that leap, leaving the corporate world. And he could have gone further. He was great at what he did. They've offered him, man, hey, we want you to run the whole place. But now he's doing what he loves to do and has all the flexibility to do. It. That's a sacrifice. He sacrificed that safe salary. He sacrificed that position to do what he loves to do, which enables him to do for God. So I, I say that to encourage men. It's not to say that you can't have a job here or there. You can't. But while you're there, man, learn what you can learn how to run that job, learn how to open it up for yourself. And when you do that, now you're able to commit so much more towards Christ. It's a faith leap, certainly, because you leave the safety of corporate world. You leave the safety of what that looks like, apparently. But you step in faith. And, and that is the strongest foundation on which we can stand is building our house and our lives around God. So, yeah, they sacrificed to follow Jesus. And, and, and even the fame of what, you know, the world may have said, but that was the best decision they'd ever make. Mm. I, I'm, Anthony, man, you always give me, you're like a trampoline. <laughs> you give me something to jump off of. All right. <laughs> and so I appreciate <laughs> I, I, I'm getting in the way of TJ, but TJ, you can follow in on this as well or do whatever you want. But yesterday, again, I was talking to this young kid, Lucas. He's only 30 years old. He started his own business at 20 making holsters. He's now turned this into this incredible business where 10 years later, he has 85 employees and he has a Christian environment where his 85 employees can come in and wear their beliefs on their sleeves. Yes. 85 people don't have to go into corporate America mm -hmm. and, and, and pretend to be someone else. Mm -hmm. They can be exactly who they are. I'm not saying this next part to, to gloss myself. I'm trying to, I want to be relatable to men out there. You may, if you open your eyes, you may fall into sacrifice accidentally. Well, and, and, and cause, cause like, God, man, you ain't smart enough to see what I really want you to do. So mm. I got to trip you up <laughs> and yeah. make you yeah. make this sacrifice. It yeah. really can happen. Sure. Cause it happened to me. Gotcha. I left corporate America, Fox Sports. Uh, say, man, I, you know, I got to be able to say what I want. And, and I'm not saying this to badmouth anybody. I'm just telling you the truth. So I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to take a pot shot at anybody. But I went into business with an atheist. Mm. And, and it's like what I wanted to do, I couldn't do with an atheist. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So God put a banana peel out there, showed me these guys were lying to me. And made, OK, now because he knows how I react to lying. Gotcha. I hit the eject button. Yeah. So I hit the eject button. And then I figured out, you know, now nah, I need to be somewhere where I can create a Christian environment for other believers 
to come in. It, it can't just be about you. Jason, I blessed you enough. Mm -hmm. blah, blah. It can't mm -hmm. just be about you. And so that's how I get here to the blaze. And now I've created a workspace where eight to 10 people can come to work and be who they actually are mm, yeah. <laughs> in a Christian environment, you can accidentally stumble into sacrifice if your eyes are open and if you're not feeling sorry for yourself. Sure. Mm -hmm. And you start looking at the opportunity. What's God trying to communicate to me? Because he would not have had, had those things happen to me if he didn't want them to happen to me because he knew what I was capable of. Yeah. If I just continued to make it about me and how much money can I make and am I ha Whitlock. That's the sacrifice. Right. But also, it's like, wait a minute, come on. You're not married, you don't have kids. How much money do you actually need? <laughs> Can you not do something for somebody else? I, you know, I sent some women for you to marry, to have kids <laughs> with. <laughs> you rejected that. Come on. Now you're old. He doesn't say A.S. <laughs> now I got some other folks for you to make sacrifices <laughs> <Yeah>. for. And <laughs> I'm, I'm truly blessed that finally, because yeah. I'm yeah. a hard-headed person, but finally it got through, and that's how we got fearless. Praise God. Praise you're God. A, you're a little bit like Paul. Yeah. Paul runs really fast one direction, and God had to blind him for a minute. He said, hey, man, you're going the wrong way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> that you're running really fast this direction. We appreciate that. <laughs> so you are a little bit like Paul in that way. My favorite, and I think most relatable, um, story in the Bible to our time today is the story of Moses, because... Moses was born a Hebrew slave, but just by happenstance in his world, right? He had no, nothing he, that he did became royalty under Pharaoh. And that dude had all the riches and all the privilege and all the social circles and all he had to do, because back then it's kind of unique, it went, <clears throat> the royalty went down the women's side. So he was set up to be in charge of everything and he gave it all up because he First of all, knew inherently, I think, of his heritage and that this is wrong, right? He committed a murder in the, in the meantime, not mm -hmm. the best way to go about it, but he felt this is wrong, gave it all up, everything. I mean, th there's nobody that had more life set up from doing nothing than Moses. And instead, he followed God and ended up wandering through the desert for 40 years because that's what needed to happen to set up the lives of millions of of people, of God's people, let my people go, right? And so today, who's our Moses? Like, who is one person who's willing to give up anything? He's a non-believer. We could say Elon is doing a bit of that. He spent $44 billion on a product that's maybe worth you know, half of that. But the reality is we don't do that on a micro level. I mean, people aren't, uh, we can keep going back to homeschooling. Um, I could just be transparent. Me and my wife are going through that, right? It's like, we have a certain set of things that she likes to work. Some of it's a desire thing, but it's like, we're figuring out a way for her to stay home right now, financially, and also just with her time and desire. And it's hard because our kids need our attention. They're, they're to the age now where like every second matters. You know, when they're six months old, not as big of a deal as a two-year-old who every day is new information coming into their head. You know, it's like, are they learning, do we want them spending more time learning colors and shapes or Bible verses? Because my daughter's pretty smart. She can rattle off five or six Bible verses off the top of her head now. And you don't get that other places. So, you know, when I think of what do we sacrifice, I mean, we can go through American history, but it's like, it's the second book in the Bible. Go through Exodus, and God said, there will be a time to sacrifice and be like Moses. Mm. Mm. So, 
The other part of my theme for this year, our theme for this year, is is in part of the discussion we're going to have at roll call. Uh, is what stands in the way of sacrifice? Mm-hmm. What, what, what? And there's a whole laundry list of things, virtually everything. But uh, you know, I, I on my Twitter feed, on my Twitter bio, I, you know, I mentioned cowardice and ignorance, and 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 and, and by ignorance, we're all capable of being mm-hmm. ignorant. Mm-hmm. Things we don't know. Uh, often kill us or destroy us, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and you know our perversions, and that's why I'm so uh, happy. Covenant Eyes has jumped back on board with us because it allows me to talk about that, and that that you know if you fall off into some sort of sexual perversion, pornography, whatever it is, it can distract you from making sacrifices, and it can lead you down a, a wrong direction. I, I don't want to. No one follow this up. It's just a comment I'm making in real time that I'm just thinking about. Earlier, either last week or earlier this week, you know, I I talked about the possibility, like, and I related it to myself, that when I was actively uh, promoting sexual promiscuity, it changed my beliefs and what I would support and tolerate from others, even things that I knew, like same-sex marriage, I, I, I never believed in that. But because I was practicing sexual promiscuity, I was like, man, let them do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. It's better that way. Mm. And <laughs> so I'm trying to justify, well, because that, that same-sex marriage, well, I'm just being sexually promiscuous. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. as bad. Mm-hmm. And so, th- th- again, that's the kind of mentality and thinking that stands in the way of your righteousness and, and of making proper decisions. But anyway, guys, I wanted to talk about what stands in the way of men making uh, the kind of sacrifices we need to make uh, and, and just some biblical examples of where that's bitten us in the rear end. So we, we are some curious fellows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are, and, and the, the enemy, Satan knows that, and so we get advertisements, we get glimpses of, and on to way leads on to way, we just kind of follow that. When we're not purpose driven, when we're not focused, our curiosity can do that. David in scripture, um, he was king at the time, and typically in the spring, the kings would go out to war with their military in expanding the kingdom. This one particular spring, he decides to stay home. He gets bored while he's home. He climbs up on the roof, walking around. The, and while he's on the roof, he sees Bathsheba taking a bath. Now, had he been where he was supposed to be, he would not have seen what he wasn't supposed to see. He sees her and then it becomes a I got to have it. And even his own soldiers were like, hey, no, that's somebody else's wife. Uh, who are you? You know, that's what I want. So I say that. You know, the enemy knows our tendencies and he knows our curiosities and where we are now in society. He puts all of that at your fingertips, Mm -hmm. all of our pleasure, all of our uh, tendencies. He puts them right at home with you. A man today. I mean, if, if you're not purpose driven, you've got all the pleasure at home. If you don't want to cook anything or what, hey, I can DoorDash, they're bringing it to you. I don't even have to get involved with that. 
But if we follow the protraction, I'll be brief, but if we follow the protraction, you know, women will, hey, if you're not here to do it, I got to do something for myself. And so she is continuing to pursue, you know, education and pursue career and pursue all of this. Well, when they both come outside, she's looking at these men who all you've been doing is playing PlayStation and DoorDash. I mean, I got a job. I ain't got time for you. And he is. Well, I don't want to fool with these women nowadays. All they want to think about is their and that's what the enemy wants. So now when you talk about the sacrifice becomes, bro, you're going to have to sacrifice your sitting on that couch. You're going to have to sacrifice this PlayStation. You're going to have to sacrifice this self-pleasure and get up and work and do. My day now, if it, you know, 90% of my day is either doing God's work or doing things that benefit my family and, and teaching my, I'm taking my son to school. I'm helping my wife with all, it's all of that. Now I could look mm. at that like, man, there's a lot I would like to do, mm. but that sacrifice in the end of my life, I know, man, these sacrifices really end up benefiting at the end of the day. It, it Now I love to do it because I know, man, this is feeding into something, but it does interfere with if you want to be at home, PlayStation all day. If you want to, you know, sit just just sit around and watch sports. We can have recreation, but I can't let that be all I do because then I'm going to lose everything that God has destined for me to take. Virgil. Yeah, I think about what you know what we were talking about earlier with with Paul and 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 his life story, and he comes to the very end of it, and it's kind of a leap off of of what Anthony is is talking about about being on purpose. Uh, it, it comes from the very text that I talked about earlier, where where he says, "I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept the faith." Well, that's all about being on purpose. That's all about walking out God's plan. We have on on the other extreme, and and Jason, you've done, you've talked about. Romans one uh, on Tucker and and in in this space as well, we, we recognize that if we suppress the truth of God in unrighteousness, and all that means simply that's from Romans chapter one verse eighteen, uh, that that mankind suppresses the truth of God in unrighteousness. What that simply means is that we love our sin so much, we have a natural inclination, a natural bent toward ignoring God. Uh, in that text, we, we walk through each section where it talks about, you know, and because we we denied him, God gives us over. God gives us over. God gives us over. And then finally, in in Romans 28, it's like you you pursued you've pursued all of this crazy. You've pursued all of this, this chaos. Uh, and and as, as a result, because you didn't see fit to acknowledge God, God gives you up to unrighteousness. And so you're filled with all manner of evil, covetousness envy, strife, murder, deceit. Again, a whole litany of things that we see in the nightly news that we are then filled with. Why? Because we didn't acknowledge God. We don't desire his truth. We love our sin. And all of these things are stumbling blocks that keep us from rightly pursuing God. And so it's imperative that, that 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 the believer in Christ, that the one who is following Christ sets those things aside, sets aside all of the sin and the weight that so easily entangles us and that we step out into righteousness and and to gather with other men who desire to do the same. That's incredibly, incredibly important. You, I'll say this lastly, Jason, you mentioned the, you know, the environment that you've created here 
uh, at Fearless, allowing guys like me and, uh, and others to come on and, and share what we believe. And one of the things that I'm grateful for is, is though, though we all have different nuances, we believe the same things and we may have different nuances to what we believe. You've never told us what we could or couldn't say or share or couldn't share. And, and that kind of environment lends itself uh, to honesty, to truth, to iron, truly sharpening iron. And that's the kind of environment that men need to be called to. It, it, it certainly is. And, and you know, I'm, I'm going to wait for it. TJ, you, you jump in here and then I'm, then I'm going to piggyback you guys. Okay, I, just to agree with Virgil, this is probably the only show in America where a white guy can come in here and tell you what he really thinks about race. I, I tell you, 100%, it is the only place in America. Uh, the, the contrast that I would give why people wouldn't be willing to sacrifice, men in particular, uh, is cowardice. And that's, that's always my go-to. I, you know, there are, there are things, pleasure, there are things, preoccupation, laziness, that you meant. there is a lot, but I think the reality is most men have it inside of them and they know what the right thing is to do. And most men have not done Robins 12-2 and renewed their mind enough to have any courage to go do that thing. And, and the scriptural reference I give you, um, and as I was going through this actually, I, I would argue this is the biggest guy. I, I used to think it was Judas and now I think I've replaced him as the biggest coward. Matthew 27, 24, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead and, uh, a riot was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd saying, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. So a man who could have stopped the murder of the only perfect man that has ever lived and didn't think he was guilty. God even sent his yeah. wife a dream yeah. and said, don't do anything with this man. I'm telling you, it's going to be bad for us. Instead, chose to live his life in hell, literally washed his hands mm -hmm. in front of the crowd and said, it's not on me. I don't think there's a, ever been a, a more cowardly person to live. And so that's what I think about. I mean, if you, you know, this would probably be part of my speech at Roll Call, but it's like, do, do you know who's Pilate today? It's us. It's, that dude had allowed the Christ to die right in front of him, and he was the person that could have stopped it. And we're all allowing Christianity to die in America because we're too cowardly to stand up and do anything about it. Mm. And, and there's all kinds of different ways to do that, that people are unaware of that that's what they're doing. But I, I, I sit around, I'll recall what I told y'all earlier about me and my sexual promiscuity and saying, ah, same-sex marriage, just let them do it. That's denying God. Because it's right there in the Bible. Sure. Mm -hmm. Marriage is between man and a woman. Mm -hmm. So I've just denied God by saying, ah, let him do it. It's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm destroying what he wants for us. What he is why we have so much chaos in this world right now is because the family has been destroyed. They've redefined it into something that it's not. That's denying God. People think, well, I never denied God. I say I'm a Christian. But, but what about all your other things mm -hmm. that contradict? My gluttony. It, mm. it, it's a denial of God. Mm. And so we got to snap out of it and deal with the reality of it and repent. Yes. And, and so uh, there was one other thing I wanted to. Uh, I just had a brain fart. Uh, Virgil, while I'm recollecting myself, is our website up so we can know where we're directing people to, to go and how they can sign up and uh, take care of that while I uh, shake off this 56-year-old moment. 
<laughs> Absolutely. It, it's it's up and, and ready to roll. I, I, I'm believing you can go to fearlessarmyrollcall.com. Fearlessarmyrollcall.com. And uh, it should be up and, and ready to roll. Gotcha. So uh, here was my point. And, and y- y'all got to be quick here because I, I, I got to some other things I got to do and we're, we're 50 minutes in. But TJ saying cowardice, and, and it's not that I disagree, but I wonder how much of it is a lack of self-confidence that is really undermining men. There's so much negative imagery and messaging around men that our self-confidence has been destroyed. And that's what was so powerful to me about our trip to T-Rex, to be sitting in front of a 30-year-old kid who at age 20, who was homeschooled, and who told me, like, you know, the reason I did this is because uh, as someone who's homeschooled, I was taught that, man, I can do anything. I don't need any help from anybody. And, And so we're trained without this or without that, without if this person doesn't teach you this, if this person doesn't give you a hand, you can't do anything. This dude being homeschooled is like, man, I can figure all this stuff out on my own. His father was a minister. Mm-hmm. Nobody in his family was a, a serious entrepreneur. Sure. But he had so much self-confidence at 20, he was like, man, I can start this business. And, and next thing you know, I'm a provider. And so that there's, two, I think about a lack of self-confidence and then helping men understand like what it is we really have the power to do. This man's business is changing lives. People can go to work and be themselves. And we talked yesterday about how when when you're one person in the real world, and then for eight hours you gotta show up in someone's cubicle and be someone else, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you wonder why we have the depression issues, and, and all the other things, the self-confidence yeah. issues, you're living a double life. Yeah, yeah. You, you got, when someone says something that totally violates your biblical worldview, but you've been trained, I can't say a word about this. That's hard, man. Yes. It, yes. It's hard. The, the, risk, the risk that we see now is what you would say is just standing up and doing what's right. Like that seems more risky as what TJ's talking about, the cowardice of standing up. I, I just, somebody else will do it. Somebody else will take care of it. We've made that to be risky, but biblically, those that responded, Paul was once, you know, he, he gives this illustration in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, woe is it unto me if I don't preach the gospel. Yes. Like preaching is not. Re- he said, if I don't do it, that's the problem. So I'm saying now the problem is not, you know, are we finding guys to be? No, the problem is you're not using what God has already given you. He's given you everything pertaining to life and godliness. He's given you the, the body as men. You, you have physical strength. You have authority. But you just don't want to use it because because if you do now, you could lose your job. You do. If you do now, you could lose the friends. You could lose the pleasures that you have. You could lose all of this. But if you do it as God has instructed us to, you gain all of that and more. You you obviously. Virgil, I'm going to give you the final say, because that's what we like to do. And I don't I don't want to hear any complaints after the show. Uh, 
if you're not standing on a proper foundation, you're, you're never going to be a man. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so what, when I think of that young kid, Lucas, I, I think of someone that's like, because, man, this dude is bold. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks about everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know why he can do that? Because that foundation he built, one, his father raised him up in fear and admonition of the Lord. But two, he's got his own business that's generating 100, 200 million dollars. And he's like, what y'all gonna do to me? I'm gonna stand on these values whether you like it or not. And that's how this little 30 year old kid talked all day. Yeah. And I was sitting back there, hats off to you, young man. How do we create more of you? Yep. Yeah. And, and so uh, Virgil, uh, wrap us up and we'll play some harmony uh, after Virgil. You will definitely wanna join us at this next roll call. Go to Fearless Army Roll Call dot com fearlessarmyrollcall.com get your tickets before i increase the ticket price uh so that i can i can get my honorarium paid so go ahead and do that right away <laughs> Virgil, i have a call scheduled with your agent for later today and so hopefully uh we can wrap these things up uh later today uh thank you Virgil. uh play some harmony and uh, we'll see you tomorrow So divided, stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for downfall. God let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Harmony. Let's make a simple vow. Let's come together now. Harmony. Put all your weapons down. Love one another now. So